Good morning, traders and investors. Are you ready to wrap up the week? We got a great one for you today. It seems like we're getting a little bounce back in this morning after, of course, the NASDAQ pulling back yesterday. We'll talk about some of those stocks and why potentially that pullback could have happened. And of course, we'll take a look. It looks like the Dow continuing the hot streak. We'll get into all the earnings that are out there. We got a lot on the docket today. And of course, there's some extra out there. Stephen Cohen going and adding the Chewy. Meta, threads, engagement continues to drop. And if today we got Michelle Krebs. We'll talk all about automotive. So if you guys out there are big EV fans or maybe you own some Ford, some GM, get some questions ready for Michelle Krebs as she comes up, of course, executive at Cox Automotive. Ready to get into it. It's pre-market prep team. Rise and shine. Let's get after it. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, traders. Let's take a look here as the SPY getting a little bit of a lift from yesterday's close. We'll see if it's able to kind of hold on here. Definitely got a little bit of a pullback yesterday. Really, the, the bigger pullback came in the queues. We'll talk a little bit about that with Dennis Dick coming up. And then, of course, the TLT, uh, a little bit of a pullback yesterday. We'll see if this starts to bounce and keeps hold above this kind of 101.90s. Looks like there's some resistance here on the dailies, definitely to look out for. Uh, if we take a look at oil, I'll go to USO, but really I kind of look at WTI for that. And I could see it this morning up at 76.51 and as high as 76.70. So we're going to keep an eye out to see if crude can continue to climb. As I start to play some energy to the upside, we'll talk a little bit about that coming up. I got some great information on equally weighted oil index. We'll get into that action. And of course, we could take a look at Bitcoin and gold. We'll see if Bitcoin can keep holding on to that 30K. Gold has been going a little bit sideways, now pulling back a little bit. We'll see if this can continue the lift or will it just pull back. That's enough of this outlook. Let's go to the SPY. Let's go to the Qs. And of course... Bring on Dennis Dick. How we doing, Triple D? What's going on? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? Is uh, looks like the market's not up at least right now, but we can start bouncing back. I feel like yesterday wasn't a bad pullback. It was pretty measured. It wasn't you know destruction, but we definitely saw some pullback in the Nasdaq. Some stocks down more than five percent yesterday. Yeah. I, I want to kind of just quickly run through some of those names, and then Dennis, I want to get your outlook on why potentially this could have happened just yesterday. So stocks like Zscaler uh, going back about five percent. So I'm going to quickly just run through some of these that I just pulled. Of course, sure. using Benzinga's uh, scanner there. Twillo back, back down. Asana back down pretty good amount crowd strike back down a pretty good amount but these stocks were hot right and i mean these are the stocks that were pushing pretty strong look at amat's move right back down and uh snow 
uh, a recent favorite, also turning around. EMPH, a solar name that just had gotten hot. Quick turnarounds here. Now, of course, uh, a lot of people will be looking at to see what happens now. Is it time to kind of buy the dip in tech? Or why could this have happened yesterday, Dennis? I mean, there's a lot of, you know, factors here. One, stocks have run a long ways. Tech stocks have been running for basically six months straight. A lot of these smaller names you're talking about been running pretty hard for the last month, month and a half. We've been talking about this six-week run in the Kathy stocks. A lot of those names you just mentioned are Kathy-type stocks. You know, not zombie necessarily, but kind of. You know, companies that aren't making money, but they're, you know, the growth is there and they're hopeful, you know, obviously that there's going to be a story here eventually. Um, and then you have the sell off in mega cap tech. And one thing to consider and what people, you know, have just kind of not been talking about at all is the rebalance. We have the rebalance coming here um, after the close tonight. The, the, obviously, it's going to be the rebalancing actually take going official on Monday. So I think you've got a little bit of jockeying ahead of that, where you're going to have the special rebalance on the queues where the Magnificent 7 waiting goes lower. So Microsoft is going to have a big sell. NVIDIA is going to have a big sell potentially at the close here. We've also obviously got you know a number of other stocks getting sold, but then other stocks getting bought too. So, But more than anything yesterday, it was just profit-taking here, Mitch. I mean, yeah. people were sitting on a lot of profits in a lot of these stocks. You had NVIDIA and Tesla which basically were getting pulled right off the gate and pressure on them all day. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as much as, you know, Apple, Microsoft opened higher and I was like, I was shocked. We started seeing those up. Those were just opportunities. And those stocks ended up closing very, very weak. Video ended up closing very, very weak. AMD was awful yesterday. Um, two day reversal after being 121. You know, it's just, it's just a lot of people have been sitting on a lot of money, a lot of profits and, the Tesla and the and the Netflix sell-off was an excuse for them to take profits across the board in tech. Yeah, and I and I don't think that you know it's just a the massive reduction in the rebalance, but I agree with you. It could just be some profit taking, right? As uh-huh. we start getting to this point where I don't think investors are feeling that you know the tech trade is just going to get ruined here. But how much more on the tech trade do we really have up here? Right? Really? Yeah. And, and that's what you need to be asking yourself. Is it I want to shoot for an extra 5% and give up some of this 30 or 40% gain? I don't think so, right? And I think that a lot of people have been battling with that mentality. And then finally just started saying yesterday as they started seeing the bigger stocks pull back, especially like Apple, Microsoft, Google. When you start seeing all the big boys down, yeah, you start reacting pretty quickly to taking that cash. And and it wasn't just that those, the big boys were all down. This was not selling across the board. You had a lot of stocks very strong yesterday as well. IBM had a day. We talked about, you know, this rotation and, you know, I was actually surprised that Johnson Johnson was down on their earnings because I was like, this is kind of feeling like a risk off day and J and J is a risk off stock, meaning it probably goes up on the bad days. I, and J and J completely reversed was down $2 in the pre-market. They started buying them. They could not stop buying it. I mean, I did not see it going up 10 bucks. I thought it could go green, but holy, they just couldn't stop buying it. And they were, so it was risk off day and the risk off stocks, which are some of your value names, but your consumer staples had a fantastic day. PepsiCo, very strong yesterday. And obviously it's waiting. It's going to probably be adjusted upwards in the QQQ, something to think about there. Um, They also raised their dividend last night. That was just separate news, but 
I think you've got to understand rotation. I think if you're a day trader, it's important to understand that when you know tech is getting sold off, it doesn't equal sell everything. It actually equals buy other types of stocks. And utilities had a pretty good day. Staples had a pretty good day. Defensive stocks had a pretty good day. And you know what? It was a lot of names that maybe hadn't been participating that actually turned around and got bought yesterday. So you're just seeing the rotation viciously. Yeah, and I think that's something to, to keep in mind, right? Um, will some of these other sectors really start getting strong? I also saw the financials also staying strong, and I think that's one thing to look out for. Uh, Goldman Sachs just really getting strong now. And look yeah. at that chart. I mean, this actually looks bullish to me. This, this, you know, I, I, I mean, I haven't been thinking. If I just think just off the chart, right? I mean, I can clearly see a trend line here where it's looking like we're trying to get back up there towards kind of like. The but I mean, you've come out it so hard here, Mitch. I mean, oh yeah, it's yeah, hard yeah. To chase it here. No, I no, mean, no, 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 bullish no, now on Goldman Sachs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. where were you three days ago, Mitch? You're like an analyst here. I, 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 I completely disagree with you on this because I think it's just run too far too fast. Yeah, I'm not but talking about for the day I, trade I would be right now. Profits into this kind of run in Goldman Sachs. I'd be looking for the laggard trade right i i don't always i don't always yeah i don't always go for the leader but this tells me that hey this move might actually have some legs like morgan stanley also strong here so i've been you know just taking a look into the financials for a while there i wasn't even going to touch anything in this sector but now i mean let's let's talk and we can bring in maybe some regional bank talk also with the kre and kind of what's been going on here this looks like it's been pretty strong. Regional financials coming in here uh, with an EPS of 59 cents in line. Uh, Comerica, that's one that you own, right, Dennis? No, I don't. I don't own any banks. And who has Comerica? Is it Joel? Joel, Joel, Joel is the one that has Comerica, right? Yeah. All right. I, 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 I knew somebody had it. Um, and, then it bank- and, and just to go on a tangent here, but yeah. there's a reason that I don't own very many. I own a couple Canadian banks, but there's a reason I've always stayed shy of the U.S. banks. One, they've massively underperformed for the last decade. And I'm not talking, I trade them all the time. I'm talking with my long-term investor hat on. The reason I don't own banks long-term for the most part, you know, and obviously we try to do a couple maybe in the regional banking crisis, but the reason is, um, and it's something that the big short guy there, he was on CNBC the other day, and there's a great quote. And I want to bring it up. Um, what, what was the guy's name from the big short that they have on there? Um, Chad will help me out there too. Anyways, you know, um, he's, he, he said on CNBC, if you've been through the financial crisis, you can't unsee what you saw. And I'm like, that is exactly why I don't invest in banks. Because I saw what happened? I saw banks going down 95%. I saw my Citigroup position go from, you know, a stock that had went up for years and decades, go from $50 to three bucks. I saw that happen. And I'm like, never again will I invest in a bank. And you know what? It's been the call because in the last 12 years, if you weren't JP Morgan aside, all of these other banks have massively underperformed. So yeah, you've got a few dividends off of them. But I mean, we've given this chart of Citigroup. We've done this you know, exercise here before. Yeah. I think when you start thinking about investing in banks, you've got to look at what the performance has been over the course of the last 20 years. And it has been pitiful. Besides JP Morgan, which is best of breed, 
most of these banks have been very, very disappointing investments. And I can't unsee what I saw during the financial crisis. And that's why I just cannot bring myself to invest in banks. And, and the, the Canadian ones, I have a couple of those just legacy because my wife worked it, but I'm not heavily in any Canadian bank either. But I just can't unsee that financial crisis. And that's why I've never been able to invest in U.S. banks ever since. All right, let's go ahead. Let's get out of the regional bank talk. Let's go back to an area that has been really strong, which is the Dow, right? Um, I don't know if you guys have been seeing it, but definitely a pretty strong uh, index overall. Let's go to the DIA as a way of looking at it. Of course, we're talking about the spiders way, the ETF. Uh, but look, we could take a look at some of these stocks to see how strong they have been and to see where we could probably see these stocks continue, right? And so stocks that stand out to me as of late that started to get going, United Health uh, started to get going here, and that started to really get strong. I know that we talked about maybe taking a look at Humana. Is that something that you're still looking at, Dennis, like off of kind of the UNH? Um, yeah, we talked Elbion's about it today. Yeah, I think, and again, I, I, I'm not a big fan, you know, of, I, I, I'm going to take it right back to the same thing is if I'm putting risk capital out here in this market, which is, you know, valuations higher mm -hmm. and, you know, for going 5% risk-free rate, I want to have a lot of upside. I'm not coming in for a 6% dividend stock or a 7% dividend stock. And Humana's not that, but it's a more steady defensive type of stock. It's not a stock that's likely to go up 40% a year. I know it's had, you know, you could argue with me, it's went from 200 to 500 over the last six years, so it's been pretty good. But I feel like it's had its run. I feel like if I'm jumping in and investing in this market, it's going to be on stocks that I think I have significant upside in. I think okay. that, you know, maybe it's a cyclical. It's been tech. You know, I've been buying some tech stocks on pullbacks here. And I think, you know, for me to risk capital in a market that's, you know, really overvalued is what it really is. I've got to have a lot of upside. So the positions that I've been taking, I'm not looking so much as like, oh, yeah, let's buy Coca-Cola. Let's yeah, buy not Humana. Pie, let's not, buy not going for pie these defensive PG. stocks. I'd rather be safe in five, five and a half percent than yeah. buying a bank stock right now. But, you know, would I, did I invest in Airbnb? Absolutely. Am I in Salesforce.com? Absolutely. Because I think there's more upside on something like that. Not that there's more risk too. They could go down more. I mean, if we go into a sell-off and do a hurt recession, those stocks going to go down more. But if I'm employing risk capital as this investor hat, I trade all the time, trade all this stuff, investor hat right now. If I'm putting new investment money to work in this market, it's going to be in something that I think I have substantial upside in. So not saying I'm going speculative, but I want to be paid for taking on that risk because I get five and a half percent risk free. I'm not buying any consumer staples. I know they had a good day yesterday, yeah. but I'm not jumping in this money and going all into Coke. Okay, so you don't feel like the rotation to value might stick here? I think it might. I think there's value names, Mitch, that okay. have a lot of upside, you know, and that's why I was saying with the cyclical. Exactly. I don't see consumer staples as value. 24, yeah. 25, I don't have them in that bucket. I, I Again, they trade defensive. So there's different buckets, and this is all just good lessons. And some yeah. days we can avoid earning stock and just do a teaching show. Yeah, and I think this is important. Where right? we're heading here. But there's different buckets. There's your growth bucket, your tech stocks, your storied stocks. You know, then there's super growth. You know, like your Kathy that you know they're not making uh -huh. money, but maybe they one day will. Then there's your, there's your mega cap tech. You know that are you know 
value tech, but you know, those values are stretched here right now. But you know, they're maybe not growing as much as some of these smaller companies, but you know, the, the earnings are stable. They're sort of Microsoft, you're, you're magnificent seven, if you will. Um, and then, you know, you've got cyclicals that, you know, move with the economy, don't move with the economy, you know, and then you've got obviously defensive issues as well, which we were just talking about, like your yeah. consumer staples and utilities. The consumer staples and utilities, I don't put them in the value bucket because you know what? Some of these are 25, 26 times earnings. I don't even think they're that cheap. I put them in the defensive bucket like they had a day yesterday. Now, a stock like Johnson & Johnson could be in both buckets because J&J is only trading 15 times earnings. So it's pretty good value there too. So, I mean, sometimes they cross over and go into other buckets. But, you know, with the J&J, with the talc issue and stuff, you know, and obviously they shrugged that off and couldn't care less about it. Yeah. I'm surprised that they don't care, you know, a little bit more about that decision. But maybe they think they're getting past it anyways. But, you know, going back to the original, you've got different buckets and different stocks are going to perform differently in different environments. So when I see a risk off market, that's when I go to this consumer staples bucket. And that's when, you know, for trading. But as an investor here, when I have five and a half percent as a risk free rate, I have trouble investing in that defensive bucket. My defensive investment money is in cash. And people will point out and they're, they continue to point out that with so much cash on the sidelines, well, money put in Coke and Pepsi and those types of stocks are considered investment dollars. But I think there's a lot of investors saying the same thing I am. Why am I going to go buy a two and a half percent dividend stock? When I get five and a half percent the risk-free rate. So don't just think that money on the sidelines has to come into the market. It might have been allocated to more defensive issues and it's just getting paid in a different way. So that cash on the sidelines isn't imminently coming into this market. It's not like it was all geared for tech stocks and it's moving. That money was in there. So you've got to consider the overall market and the overall mentality of what people are doing out there. Cash is heavily weighted right now in investors' portfolio because it's replacing, in my own portfolio, it's replacing all those preferred stocks I used to have. I had a whole pile of preferred stocks. You know, I, and I used to own banks years ago, but I had a bunch of preferred stocks, and I don't have hardly any of those now because the preferred stocks are yielding six or seven, well, I get five and a half percent. If the rates start dropping, I'll take that cash and then put it into preferred stocks or into bonds or into something else. It's a main reason the bond markets, you know, and, and bonds different animal altogether. But we haven't seen that rally in equities here either because cash is an alternative to bonds as well. So lots of things to consider. Going back to your original question, which I had no idea where it was because <laughs> we uh, we went <laughs> no, on such just a switch here. of value, right? Is this yeah. is this switch to value going to stick? Because we could clearly see it yesterday. I mean, I think it could in it. the value name. So I, and don't confuse. That's what I was saying. Don't confuse exactly. consumer staples and utilities with value. Value is its own bucket. Berkshire Hathaway had a day yesterday, man. Berkshire Hathaway is your best indication of value stocks. He owns a lot of stocks and make a lot of money. And Warren Buffett, Berkshire Hathaway, was up three bucks yesterday on a day that the market, everybody thought the market was killed. Wasn't killed in Berkshire Hathaway. Wasn't killed in IBM, lower PE. Wasn't killed in the lower PE stuff. The lower PE stuff held up well. Value is lower PE. Going classic analysis, CFA hat on, bring up your Benzinga Pro mm -hmm. and look up the PEs. The value names that are trading 12, 13 times earnings or even less in some cases are the stocks that held up very well yesterday. And I think that could stick. So I do think in the back half of this year, and some of your small caps too, and your IWM might be more value because again, there's a lot of companies that burn cash in there, but you know, there's a lot of companies that make pretty good cash too. So um, I think you could see a continued move into some value names and it's going to rotate around. So it's not going to be, nothing's going to stick forever, but I think keep that in mind.
We'll see what happens there. I also saw, of course, uh, we talked about it, utilities getting stronger there. We'll see if those can keep up, kind of keeping an eye on like Nextera and Duke to see if those can get moving. Uh, but let's move to some of these earnings stocks. Let's go to CSX um, and give it a really quick outlook here on the railroads. This is pulling back. Nothing that I really trade often. I don't think, Dennis, do you trade the railroads? Uh, I'll trade them and CSX I may actually trade because this is a component in the QQQ. So again, knowing your, you know, your relationships here, mm -hmm. it would not surprise me if the CSX dip gets bought here today for the simple reason is there's a rebalance happening in the queues and CSX, I believe the weighting is going slightly up in this. So wow. you may have those ARB traders coming in here and saying, oh, here's a stock. It's probably going to get bought towards the end of the day here, down 4% in the pre-market. The earnings weren't, well, give us the earnings and then we can do it a little further. Yeah, now. EPS came in line. What happened here was a miss on sales. This is the first time they miss on uh, sales here in two years. So sales at 3.7 billion missed 3.73 billion estimate. Um, So not great numbers, but is it a value stock? Is CSX falling that bucket? Let's go look at the PE. I believe it does. I so believe it does too. I'm just trying to make a case for maybe this Se gets bought here today. Maybe 17. not. We're still on analysis. We haven't made a decision here yet. 17 and I have an industry average at least forward 16. outlook of like It's kind of there. But it's I, I would throw more in the value camp than the growthy camp. So transports have done very well. The trend is up. It's a Come dip on a stock that's been trending higher. It's not ridiculously stretched. I think it's kind of stock, and if you know you throw the QQQ rebalance in there, I think it's the kind of stock that the dip actually could get bought today. Yeah, I think this is a, an important thing to do, guys, and uh, you guys can do this also, of course, uh, just using Benzinga Pro, right? You guys can always just pull up your Benzinga Pro, look at the key ratios. That's what we're looking at here. We're measuring it to the in industry average. I think it's also very important to kind of do the peers check too, and that's one thing that I was looking at right now, right, is not only – the industry average, but look at the other two, right? Union Pacific, uh, Norfolk Southern, uh, that's at the 18 and 19 yeah. spots. So they're under those, right? And at least trading underneath those. So we'll see how that, that reacts to UNP and NSC. Um, but like always, you guys can do this with Benzinga Pro. Just go to pro.benzinga.com and get your two-week trial if you haven't done so already. And Gabe, I appreciate the $10 tip, my friend. Um, oh, nice. And, and uh, if you want to go ahead, oh, it actually might be more than $10. I think that was 10 that euros. Uh, is that pounds or euros? I, I, I'm not, I I'm not sure. But I think it's pounds. It, it might be pounds there, but hey, I'll take That's it. That's solid. Well, That's better than if, euros. If you have a question or anything, we can always uh, kind of shoot it out for you, Gabe. So he did give us a comment now, Give here. us a tip. Give us a question too. We answer, we, answer we answer questions for tips. Yeah, he gave us some feedback here. He said, I reckon I've learned more about trading uh, through watching this show and Money Mitch at the close over the last couple of years than through any formal course, let alone trading on my own. So nice. thanks, guys. That's what Thank it's you. all about. That's yeah, what we're we here for. people. Honestly, I, I honestly think that Dennis would not be here if he didn't think he was paying it forward for a lot of the, you guys out there that are trying to get to the level that you guys see Dennis at, right? And I think that we're all trying to get there and keep pushing our skills. And there's another level. level for me too. I try to use everybody else. Like, I mean, you know, there's all different exactly. levels and tiers. There's a hell of a lot of traders better than I am out there. I'll tell you that. Yeah. There's some fantastic ones at break trading too. So, you know, it's all just tiers. It's all levels. You know, I've just been doing it a long time, so I'm consistent. You know, but there's some traders that are consistent and really killing it. So, 
I feel like I do well, but I mean, there's a lot of traders that do better too. So I'm always learning and I learn from a lot of traders in our chat as well. All right, let's keep going. Let's go to the next earnings. These are going to be interesting. And uh, one of these might be the disaster stock. We got Capital One and American Express, right? Let's take a look at American Express as being that disaster there. Yeah. American mm -hmm. Express Q2 EPS at $2.89 beat the $2.81 estimate. Sales of 15.5 missed the 15.48 billion estimate. They reaffirmed their fiscal 23 outlook. Um, revenue growth here at 15 to 17% versus a 61.23 billion estimate. Doesn't look too bad, but what happened here, Dennis? Uh, expectations maybe had run up a little bit into the report. We talk about, you know, moves, but I think just somewhat disappointing here. 289, yeah. the, the sales missing, and then the EPS outlook kind of in line. Revenue growth there. It wasn't a disaster report by any means, but it wasn't blowing it away here either. I think they, you know, just want an excuse to sell the stock for whatever reason. Like we saw what happened with Discover yesterday. That was just a, a crazy move. I mean, we have not seen a move in DFS like that in a long time. We chalked it up to the accounting issues, but maybe they just don't want to own these stocks. COF has getting a pass here on their report holding up well, but I mean, American Express not. Do I think the American Express dip gets bought? Yeah, well, you got a low here. Let's just go and grab it. 168.23, the low from the 7th. I think that's probably a likely bounce point. So I think as you get in this 168 to 169, I do think there's potential for a bounce here. I don't know if I'm backing up the truck and loading up this one. You know, the growth isn't there either. But I do think that, you know, the value is not bad. What's the P on American Express? This fall into our value bucket? <laughs> yeah, fine. That's 16 times. A little bit higher than some of the other financials, but uh, the industry average is only 13 times, so it's a little bit of a premium multiple there. But it's there. I don't mind it here. I'd say I, I don't mind it on the dip here. I, I'm I'm probably not going to buy it myself, but I could. I won't argue with you if you are. Yeah, I can't blame you for uh, taking a look at these. Um, I think they're going to, you know, one thing I, I'd look at is I don't compare them exactly, but I always take a look a little bit at MasterCard and Visa to see how those are trading. Those have kind of started to slow down. Um, so they're I just think much is... different businesses. The way they're designed is they don't take on the risk. They 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 yeah. give it out. And that's why I think they always get the premium multiple. I mean, MasterCard is 32 premium. times earnings. For sure. I've sold my MasterCard. You know, I had it in my portfolio. It's one of the longest stocks. I had it there for, I think, 12 or 13 years. And I sold it this, this year, I believe, the beginning of this year. Um, just because it's 30 times earnings here now, 32 times. It's always been, but it's just grown and grown and grown. It's been an unbelievable form. I don't think the next 10 years is going to be as good for MasterCard as the previous 10 years. So I've just moved it, you know, moved that money into other things. Yeah, I just see uh, also a little bit topping there on MasterCard near the 400. We'll see if it can get through that level, but it seems like it's struggling there. Um, it could start rejecting and using it as resistance. We'll see what happens on MasterCard. Let's go to an interesting report here. Let's go to Intuit Surgical. Um, that's S-I-S-R-G. Yes, correct. The Mundo. Let's go. Q2 EPS here at $1.42 beat the $1.33 estimate. Sales of $1.756 billion beat the $1.74 billion estimate. This was pretty much grinding on the monthly to the upside. Now taking a big pullback here towards 333s. Um, is this something that you'd be looking at? A medical instrument? It's come supply? too far. Again, this is just up. It was 220 
four months seems ago. like it ran into 340 i mean you see oh 14 pullback i mean give it perspective here it's not much of a pullback in the big scheme of things trend would still be intact that's the good news but the valuation has always been stretched on this puppy too last time i looked at 63 times earnings so i mean it's just got the high multiple it's a great company it's done everything well i just felt like it's it's easy money's been made in this thing i mean we bottomed at 180 dollars back in october 360 we doubled we've come all the way back up to those old highs this major overhead resistance here from the old highs that we made back in 2021 bag holder central there a lot of people have got their money back in this thing i'm thinking i'm not buying the dip on this one yeah, I, I can at least see like a, a lot of price targets, at least from analysts up there in the high 300s, some as high as 400. Truis uh, recently got an upgrade there on the 19th uh, to buy, or the maintain to buy, and with a price target of 400. So I'm just looking in there to see how the analysts see this. They see it in the high 300s. At this point, I'd be looking for a little bit more pullback because I feel like it's just made way too big of a run uh, since pretty much too much uh, end of March. That's too been much a, and not a cheap stock. Fifty-three percent run. Just to kind of mention that that's a pretty good one and could be pulling mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Sagar, I think you just missed Capital One. We just talked about that. Just rewind a little bit if you're just joining in. Uh, let's keep going. Let's go to Auto Nation. Mm, this chart has been actually pushing and pushing on the daily adjusted EPS here at $6.29 beat the $5.90 estimate sales of 6.89 billion beat the 6.74 billion estimate auto nation. Can this keep going? I mean, this has been an unbelievable epic rock epic 2020 low 20 bucks now $176 making new all time highs. Again, I mean, I'm just not a chaser. It's just not my style. So, I mean, I miss this trade. The PE is still low on the thing. It's been low. They've been growing earnings. I mean, it's value. It's everything you kind of want in a stock. It's just the fact that it's run so far, so fast. I'm just like, I want a pullback. So, I, if you got a pullback on this thing, whether it be a buying opportunity eventually, maybe. Um, value's fine. Everything's good about the fundamentals. It's just like just been a runner, though. So, I think if you got a serious pullback, it becomes interesting, though. We'll see what happens here. If uh, AutoNation can pull back in just in about five minutes, we'll be talking with Michelle Krebs, executive analyst at Cox Automotive. As we talk all about electric vehicles, we'll take a look at inventory, and we'll talk a little bit about Ford and GM earnings coming up, right? That's going to be something interesting to take a look at. That comes next week, so stay tuned for that. That's coming up in about two or three minutes here let's go through one more uh earnings report as we keep it going here today let's go to slb uh slumber j definitely taking a back seat here as oil has been going higher but this has already had a little bit of a run just before this eps at 72 cents beat the 71 cent estimate sales at 18.1 billion missed the 18 the eight 0.22 billion estimate uh so slb definitely taking a pullback here uh, this is not a company that I'll be looking for uh, the lift right now because it's already gotten its lift here as it just took. Why off did it run so hard from 50 to 57? There had to be something because yeah, oil did seven. not do that. And I'm just looking, you know, at Halliburton, which is a peer there. It moved up too, but not to that degree. 
I'm not sure why it had the big, big, big move there. I mean, yes, oil was up in those days, but again, not to that degree. So I don't know why SLB had the big run earlier this month. Um, I do think this is a value stock. If we're going into a value market, I think you find maybe a 50% retracement from the recent move, 50 to 58. Think about 53 to 54. I think if you're buying in there, I think it might not be a bad call. Um, we are taking out the little support that we had there from the last three or four days, a triple bottom of 56. If we can get back above there and hold that area, then that's good for news for bulls here too. But value stock pulling back here um, kind of fits the belt. 18 times earning. It's not a super cheap oil stock though. You got a lot of oil stocks that are a lot cheaper than that. So it looks like the, I'm not seeing an exact catalyst that I could put it on, but uh, that day that we jumped on July 7th, uh, there was a lot of news about shares of energy stocks trading higher amid increases in oil prices that day. And then also the day prior to that, SLB was awarded a five-year contract that could have played into this little run. That's one thing that I would look a little bit more, but the terms weren't disclosed on that release. And I think that that's probably also what played into this. I'd look a little bit more if I was an SLB investor about that five-year contract that came in July 6th. Before we go to the next earnings, we're going to Michelle Krebs here in a second. Just remember, it is options expiration here today. It's the longest expiration we can have. They're the 15th to the 21st as the third Friday falls. 21 is as far as we go. We are seeing a lot of buy imbalances across the board. So you do have those institutions. Looks like they're coming in here to buy this open. We'll see if those, you know, after the open, if that gets faded or not. Um, and then obviously we have the rebalance, you know, coming up this weekend as well on the special rebalance. So a lot of, you know, market, you know, uh, impact here, you know, from structural standpoint, because you've got some arbitrage traders coming in for those reasons. And then you've also got, your big and options traders coming in and jockeying equities against their open option positions that expire today. So lots of balls to juggle here. I think if you get a serious rally here today, I think I'm actually fading it. All right, we'll see what happens there. Of course, option expirations come into play and things can turn around. We'll see if that works out today. 834, we're about to get to our interview here with Michelle Krebs. Like always, guys, smash the like. There was one last conversation that I wanted to get into before we get to that. Um, and this is just an equally weighted outlook in energy. Um, so a lot of times when we look at energy, a lot of people look at what? They look at the XLF, uh, the XLE, right? And we can take a look at that and we can start seeing a little bit of a turnaround now in energy. I'm just stating this because I, I'm starting to see it. And you guys know I was bearish for a while there on oil. And I flipped right back to the bull side here as we started to see oil prices starting to get a little bit of a lift. Um, do you think this could really get right back up there, uh, Dennis? Um, it just looks like it. we're really starting to set up here. The value trade is there. So, again, you know, am I buying value on dips? I think so. So would I buy some energy stocks on dips? I think so. Would I buy solar stocks on dips? We just had one. I kind of yeah. think so. So there's certain things. Now, again, let's see what materializes. This is a big swing day here, you know, with mm -hmm. so much going on. So you may want to just take this information today to make your next decision. Some of these tech stocks are really overbought. You know, does the solar stock get sold off with that? Maybe, but I, you know, some of these solar stocks got some value too. Like they're not all these things are trading nosebleed valuations either. So I do think there could be an opportunity on the dip in some solar stocks here and energy stocks like oil stocks. All right. That's going to do it for that outlook. Let's go ahead and let's get to our guest today. You guys out there, smash the like.
Michelle Krebs, executive analyst at Cox Automotive. How are we doing today? Good. How are you? It's Friday. Yeah, it's Friday. Can't be mad about Fridays, right? Um, let's talk a little bit about the changing landscape, of course, of electric vehicles market and their impact, uh, the growth and success for companies like Tesla. Of course, we just got their Tesla report. It seems like deliveries were great. Of course, we're starting to see margins struggling there. What strategies, of course, can investors be looking at here to be looking to see where increasing competition is coming into play? Well, I can't speak to the investor part, but um, we are ch seeing some change in the market. So it's kind of interesting. We are seeing sales of EVs increase. They hit 300,000 units um, in the second quarter, the highest ever, up almost 50% from a year ago. Um, we are anticipating that EV sales in the U.S. will hit a million units for the first time ever this year. It was somewhere around 800,000 a year ago. Um, and Tesla is uh, still dominant, although and its sales and deliveries keep going up, um, but its share has fallen, which you would expect. They used to have 100% share. That's not going to last forever. A lot of new competitors in the market. However, um, the, uh, the EV inventory is starting to build in a, beyond what demand is right now. So we've got to sort that out. Michelle, we know Tesla's probably going to stay number one for a long time. Who has the potential to become number two? Who's going to, you know, and, and you know, maybe, maybe you don't want to stock specific companies, but who do you think is on the rise here that has the potential to move up there and give Tesla a run? Well, it, it, it depends on the short term or the midterm. Long, or long term. term. Let's go long. Let's put our long well, term I don't, on. Well, I, I, you know, I don't know. Or nobody can do that. Well, no let, me, let, me just, let me just say, um, you know, GM came in second in terms of uh, EV registrations, but it did mm -hmm. that using the Bolt. And of course that's going away at the end of this year. Yeah. There mm -hmm. certainly GM is betting a lot on EVs and um, got a lot coming um, Ford as well, but they just cut the price on the F-150 Lightning um, as well as the Mustang Mach-E. So that, that's kind of interesting as well. Hyundai and Kia have a lot of, um, promising EVs. However, they don't yet qualify for the EV tax credit. So that has uh, been a disadvantage for them. And, you, and we saw their registrations go down. You know, Volkswagen's there. Um, there the, are a lot of, the, the pie's getting bigger and people are, their companies taking slices, you know, Toyota, Tesla still has the um, biggest slice. And then, you know, looking at Toyota, everybody's talked about them being an EV laggard, but um, looks to me like they're going to try to leapfrog some of the current technology uh, with a solid state battery in the second half of the decade. Yeah, and uh, I think that was really interesting in, in Toyota's mention of solid state batteries, something that I'm definitely looking at. Mm -hmm. um, but one thing for certain, and you can say it, you said it earlier about the increasing inventory in electric vehicles. And of course, there are some rising incentives in the market. Yes. But how do you see, of course, the changing landscape affecting pricing dynamics? Because I think that that's going to be the major focus, especially moving forward in the next couple of years. Um, yes, we, you know, a year ago, the average transaction price on an EV was $66,000 when the average, uh, normal, average vehicle uh, across the board was 48, which is about what it is now. Um, 
but now it's down to about 53,000. So it's, it's dropped significantly. And um, some of that has to do with the fact that the Bolt came back into the market and that's a much lower price vehicle and Tesla cut prices. And we are seeing incentives for EVs really ramp up. They are far bigger than per average uh, vehicle than uh, regular vehicles. So um, that it, it's a very fluid time in terms of EV pricing. So what has to happen, Michelle, to really get this adoption of EVs, right? Because I know that everybody talks about EVs, but, you know, like we have, of course, Jason Rasnick, our CEO, that used to always say that he would see one Tesla in a parking lot and that soon down the line you would see 10, 20. What's it going to take to get that to, let's say, 100 Teslas in the parking lot? Well, it'll be more than Teslas, but <laughs> yeah, um, but EVs, so there are EVs in general. There are three big obstacles. Um, the first is price. You know, even at fifty-three thousand dollars, that's far more than yes. the average vehicle. So that is a big obstacle, and we will see more um, lower price vehicles. The EV charging infrastructure also is a big obstacle. I mean, there's there's not enough of them. We're seeing companies make deals with Tesla to use their technology. Um, which will mean more lines at the Tesla chargers. Uh, so that is a big one. And then there's been so many stories lately about somebody pulls up to a charger, but it's not working. So while it's there, it's not working. And then range, those two things kind of go hand in hand. If we had much longer range, the issue with the charging structure wouldn't be such a big deal. If we had more charging stations, the range wouldn't be such a big deal. So those, those are the three big obstacles. Of course, we're going to be getting some big earnings coming next week, right? The Detroit automakers uh, coming through. What are you looking at uh, in these earnings definitely that you'll be watching for? Um, well, I've been digging through some of the numbers. I, I, we analyzed their sales numbers. We look at their average transaction prices. We look at their incentive spending. What I will say across the board is sales improved for pretty much everybody, including Stellantis, which had been in a big slump, even though it didn't increase much, um, but everybody's spending a lot more on incentives. Uh, we're not seeing, you know, incentive spending like it was in 2018 or 2019, but it, it, it is increasing. And we would anticipate that will continue to be the case as inventory grows. Um, and then I'm looking at average transaction prices. Those are still high. Uh, the prices are, the, there's still price strength, but it's the growth has slowed. How's inflation and supply chains looking like? Uh, I'm not an expert in that, but you certainly hear the car companies talk about, um, you know, in inflation in some of the, the commodities that they buy. And that's particularly true in EVs with all of the minerals that they have to acquire from um, other places and uh, a big demand for those now and a competition for those. So that's raising prices. How, do you think the consumer can continue to remain as strong? Because, I mean, automotives are obviously discretionary purchase here. And yeah, at a certain point in time, you think, wow, if the consumer starts to get strapped for cash, and, you know, this hasn't really been apparent yet, but interest rates have come up substantially, do they eventually sl slow down, you know, purchases of like a new vehicle? You know, maybe they go to the used car market. Do you think they eventually do see a slowdown here? Or are we going to get the soft landing and people are just going to continue to buy new cars and they're going to find the money no matter what? Well, two things there. Um, the we do we are very cautious about the second half because interest rates are going to go up again, although auto loan rates have uh, yeah, been pretty steady. Um, 
Uh, so we do anticipate that. And we don't know how much pent up demand is yet to be uh, released. So there was a lot of it in the first half. The other thing that that sales have been boosted by big fleet sales. Um, and, you, you know, how much is that to unleash uh, in terms of businesses buying vehicles, too? Um, but And we know that a lot of people have been totally knocked out of the new car market. We think about 10 percent of typical new car buyers have been knocked out because of the high prices combined with high mm. interest rates. So good questions. We don't know. Now, just recently on uh, Tesla's earnings call, they mentioned about potentially licensing out uh, full self-driving, right? Um, and how that could come into play. One of the things that I've been talking about is I would love to see the technology really take off, autonomous driving, because I think that that could be the, the real driver of getting people into EVs. Because the truth is, I don't think I'm paying for an EV uh, $50,000 car unless it probably could drive itself, then that itself could get me to wanting to go into it because there's a lot of different opportunities now that I have if I, the car could drive itself. I am a big skeptic about self-driving. <laughs> okay, tell us uh, why. Well, look at what's happening in San Francisco. There's been all kinds of issues with uh, robo-taxis. There's been a lot of pushback by consumers. There's push pushback by utilities. Um, and there are still a lot of technical issues to overcome uh, it's not there yet elon and, and musk is saying consumers they're nervous about it on that david faber interview elon musk hinted that he's 12 to 18 months away from full self-driving and i think he said stuff like this before so you'd be skeptical of that 12 to 18 month target well and also you know they're under investigation by nitsa for you know autopilot so you know I, i'm just pretty it's got a long ways to go yes all right. Well, thank you for joining us. Like always, it's always great to have Michelle Krebs, executive analyst at Cox Automotives. We'll bring you back. Always good to have you, Michelle. Thank you. Thanks, Michelle. All right. Let's get back to the markets. Always good to take a look into the autos. We'll, we'll see what happens with Ford. It recently just pulled back. See if it starts coming back down. And of course, um, one thing that we need to take a look at, of course, let's get back to the market and see how we're doing right now. Uh, Dennis, do you see a little bit of a continued drive back? You're seeing, you know, some buy imbalances across the board here this morning. It's early yet, but that's probably driving the S&P futures up a little bit here, at least in early trade. Again, those can flip. Those can change a lot of things. We're still an hour away or 45 minutes away from the open. So a lot of things can change there. But you are seeing that buy the dip mentality out there. I mean, there's people who have been waiting for a dip. They've got day jobs. They come in. They see Microsoft down seven or eight points. They're like, I want to buy that stock. So a lot of times what you see, though, is that move. Sometimes you get follow through selling from the next day after the open. So it would not surprise me here if this little rally that we're getting this morning fades. And especially if it's being driven just because of options expiration, that's even a better setup. So I'm so inclined here, you know, at the open here, I will be probably trying to fade stocks at the open, meaning sell into the strength. We'll see what happens there. Let's get to an interesting conversation. Uh, looks like Threads uh, user engagement continuing to drop. Wall Street Journal mentioning here for the second week in a row, the number of daily active users has declined on Threads, falling to 13 million, down about 70% from July 7 peak. Um, what do you think about Meta? Do you think that I, this I think this still Threads is. I think Threads was very, everybody jumped to say this is the end of Twitter. You know, we were even concerned going over there and 
like I said, I, I downloaded the app. I went on there. I threaded, you know, three times and I've never opened it again. And, you know, what the reasoning was is like, would I like to tweet to 23,000 people or thread to 140? I mean, I don't feel like rebuilding all my connections. I, you know, talk with other people on Twitter, you know, Ryan Dietrich, we've got all these people on Twitter, you know, that we connect with um, all the time. And I just feel like, why do I want to rebuild all those connections, you know, on another platform? That's pretty much the same thing. If Threads was offering me something cooler, oh, this is way cooler, but they're not. It's a copycat product is what it is. From what I, from my experience, the, the hour that I was on it, it felt exactly like Twitter. So you just copied it. And now, you know, expect us to all move over there. Why? So I think the threads is, you know, just, you know, I think you just literally just copied all of Twitter stuff. It looks the same, feels the same. Why do I want to go rebuild all, rebuild all those connections? I think this is not going to be this big of a threat to Twitter as we initially thought. Because I think there's a lot of people who aren't going to go over there. You know, will influencers use both products? Probably. But I think, you know, somebody just starting up and, you know, somebody's already following everybody they want on Twitter. Why do you want to rebuild all that over on threads? And if you're not going to tweet as much or thread as much, then they're going to want to follow you more on Twitter. So um, I think the hype behind threads was way overrated. I think Meta's pop on this was overdone. I think the stock broke yesterday down mm -hmm. here, and I would be selling the rally in Meta. I'm convicted on that. Now, again, I might be wrong, but I think the Meta pop here this morning is to be sold. Just my opinion. I mean, at some point, this might have a, a pretty decent pullback, right? I mean, it's been a 243% run to the top there. Too much. Uh, since last November, yeah. right? I mean, at some point, this is going to pull back, right? Look at the monthly chart. Look at this. Why Why not yesterday? Why not, you know, a rebalance that you've got coming yeah. in here too? Is Meta one of the Magnificent Seven? That's a good question. I didn't even notice. I'm pretty sure it is. Yes, I, it's it is. Rebalancing. It's it, it was one it. that was slightly going down. Not as much as, they're not going to have as much selling pressure as the, yeah. as the Microsoft or the NVIDIA, but I see no reason to jump into Meta here. I mean, the valuation is even starting to get more stretched. It was always cheap. And you know, there was a lot of reasons, maybe a 90 or or $100 to jump into this thing, but it's now 25 times earnings. 37 times current earnings, whatever value was there has now expanded to a multiple where it's not a cheap stock anymore. Um, and, you know, you've come back a long ways and you start getting into overhead supply issues from where you were back in 2021 when everybody thought, you know, they were, you know, didn't care about valuation, $380 and $370. I think why, why chase it here? It's had its big move. I don't see it going back. Maybe it's going to go back to those all-time highs. Maybe it is, but the easy money has been made in Meta. And if I was long Meta, I'd ring the register. Yeah, and it's filled multiple gaps here on the left-hand side. And that's one thing that I would state that, uh, you know, I, I was waiting for it to kind of come back up into this space. And now it's in there. It's made a little bit of a run past that gap, but we could be easily cracking right back down 300. We'll see what happens there in meta. And I think you might've been right, my friend. Um, I remember when you saw that Microsoft move where it really kind of uh, ripped towards the uh, 366.78. You were talking about it might be a little bit of a topping action. At that least felt like upside capitulation. Short, yeah, at least it, for the I short term. And, and it yeah. seems like it right now on Microsoft. We'll see what happens there. Let's go to the chat. Let, let, let's little... stop, stop here for a second. Let's just teach that lesson here. So we, yeah. we're doing a teaching show here today. If you want to save let's this one, we can go back to it. So you've got capitulation is what we call classic capitulation. Stocks are going down, 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 down. And then boom, you have this washout and you have this huge violent sell-off. 
And that often ends the trend that often turns it around. And that's the beginning of like, um, that's the potential beginning of um, a trend in the opposite direction. It's called capitulation where all the sellers who wanted out of the stock are now out and there's just seller exhaustion and that's it. The yeah. opposite occurs and you don't see a lot in this textbook, so, you know, not that we've coined it, but there's not a lot of talk about upside capitulation. Stocks going up, 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 and then they have a violent, violent upswing. And that's like, I can't take it anymore. Microsoft is just gonna take over the world. Just get me and I don't care if it's overvalued. And that's what we saw three days ago when the stock was up five and a half percent one day, putting on $150 billion in market cap. I feel like that was upside capitulation, which was the selling opportunity. So I think Microsoft has topped out and I will not, would not be surprised if the 52 week high for Microsoft is actually in, meaning I, I think the 2023 high may actually be in for Microsoft, $366.78. I might be wrong. You know, and obviously we don't have a crystal ball. Nobody knows anything. We're just taking guesses. But I think there's a potential for that 366.78 to be the 2023 high. So I'd be selling rallies in Microsoft. And just to kind of stay on the cues there, I can clearly see what's called an evening star pattern and take it as you want to take it, right? But this is an evening star pattern. I've drawn, I brought the pattern here so you guys can see that. Um, Explain you can see that. that. So, so the, the big thing is this first candle, like we just talked about that kind of blow towards the top side, right? And then all of a sudden just stopping on this second candle. The big part about the second candle is it's important is you break that first candles high. You can see the wick going above that, Sucker but then it closes below that high, which is that suckers move, right? Where you get caught through that high. And then the next candle actually opens down and actually gaps down. And that's what you're going to really look for to show you that it's an evening star. Of course, this is always going to be hindsight 2020. Like you'll notice today, today would be that day where you wouldn't want to see it get back through yesterday's high if it is an evening star. So that's the way that you play this kind of pattern. And a lot of it is just looking for confirmation. That's what I use these patterns more. It's not that I want to trade off of this, but I want to use that to see if we get confirmation today. Breaking of yesterday's low would be kind of that confirmation for me that, yeah, we could have seen that evening star pattern turn around. All right, let's go to the chat. I did want to do a little bit of ticker time here. It's 8.54. We got a couple of minutes here. Yep. I see ENPH mentioned twice, so I'll go to that one first. What are you thinking, Dennis? Uh, I believe it's lower component in the uh, QQQ, which means it could see a little bit of buying pressure here today. Stock's not cheap. Stock has not been in a bull trend here for a long time. I think if I was buying it, it would be a short-term day trade. All right. Multiple people mentioned that ENPH. So that's going to be definitely one to keep an eye out for. Here's an interesting one. What about Etsy? I haven't talked about Etsy in a while, uh, but this looks like it's setting up for 100 Wow, what a move know. here today. What's the news? There's got to be a news on this because it's up 4%. So somebody upgrade this? Yeah, I'll take a look at it right now. Um, go try to the, hunt. Chart, the chart looks good. And I do see second quarter uh, earnings come in August 2nd. I'm looking to see. I see It looks to me like high. there's a headline here. It's highly unlikely that Etsy's up 4% without a headline here. So we'll have to dig a little bit further. Um it's a big move here. It's a counter to the you know to the previous day's move, which is always an issue. You do have the two day high at ninety seven oh two, which it's right there right now. Hard to give it you know analysis not knowing the headline though. So I'm just trying to look here too what the headline is. Yeah, we're, we're, we've been up here in the ninety sevens multiple times. I don't uh, see a headline either. 
Yeah, I, I, I'm I don't looking. see. I'm digging. I, I, I see some price ratings, but that was like kind of Wednesday. Yeah. I don't see anything today. I don't see much here either. Big move. So obviously somebody knows something. Yeah, we'll see what happens there in that Etsy. If it can get back above these highs over here, uh, multiple highs in the 9703s, 9714s, and then this gets a move to 98. So let's see if it can take out that 98 and hold 97s on pullbacks. We'll see what happens there on Etsy. Let's keep going in the chat. If you see any of there, Dennis, that you like or you want to grab also, we can talk about them. But let's keep it rolling here. Yeah, for um, sure. Let's go to ABT. Mm, that had a nice move yesterday. Defensive issue, risk off market helped it yesterday. You can say, oh, it was the earnings report. I'll tell you, it was Johnson & Johnson and Abbott Labs, and it was a risk off market, and Abbott's a risk off stock, meaning it's the kind of stock you buy when everything else is selling off. It was setting up. It had the nice little spot there where it was in consolidation station, the blow up. So now it's moving. If we continue to have weakness in tech stocks, this continues to go up. If you start to actually see strength in tech and then bounce back, this stock starts to sell off. It moves opposite the market a lot of times. All right. Uh, is PayPal forming a handle being called out in the chat? What are you guys thinking? The cup and PayPal's uh, down a little bit this morning with American Express, I think. Um, I, I think if American Express didn't report, I think PayPal would be up. So, but American Express being down six, seven bucks, people just worry payment stock. Um, they're hit, you know, MasterCard was down a little bit, Schmidgen, Visa was trading down a little bit. So that puts a little bit of pressure down on them. Um, I, I, I remember the PayPal versus Square. Square won it. We said, which one's going to 75 first? Did PayPal get the 75? Hey, oh, it hey, did. 7504 hey, right hey. on the kisser. So we had good calls on this. this. Both stocks were 66, and we said both we thought were going to 75. Yep. And we thought which one's going first. And I went with Square and I was right there too. Yeah, I mean, they've, then, they've come back. They've come back to where where our targets were. We had 75 target, Square blew through there going to 80. Um, but 75 targets on both, I would say we've hit our target here. Now there's major resistance up here. It doesn't become nearly as easy. Yeah, you filled the gap. What else could you want, right? I yeah, mean, sometimes easier yeah, trade. Sometimes also, and, and, run. And, I, and I feel like sometimes like traders get to that point where they get to 75 and they're like, oh, but now I'm going to get 80. Now I'm going to get 85. Why sell here? No, I mean, we were looking at this gap for a while. We're not the only ones looking at that gap. That's no, what true. we got to keep remembering, right? You're not the only one that can see that gap to the left. I think a lot of people made it, played it, especially from this 10th date where we got a little a break into the shadow. Look how it went straight up into that spot. Yeah, to me now, it, it's a little bit of resistance there. It's going to be hard to get it over that 75 especially as you got some traders that probably got caught on that day of Monday the 8th and now got their chance to get out very on, on a low loss. Yeah, I think you're finding some overhead supply in that uh, sideways consolidation here. All right, let's get out of that PayPal chart. Um, let's see, let's get a couple more here. Oxy being brought up in the chat. I don't have Oxy. I went for Valero. I will get you guys that one. That's the oil stock that I went after. That's been doing pretty well for me. It took some profits yesterday. Um, and I've been looking at Oxy. Can this get the lift, Dennis? You, you still in Oxy? Um, I've thought about selling it. PXD. It's here. Yeah, I know you I have mean, PXD. And that, that I looks PXD good. And I've had the oil stocks. These are two, and they're small in my portfolio. And I've sold most of my Oxy. Uh, it just hasn't went, you know. But again, I think if you go into a value market, I think the stock could go. Um, there's lots to go with. The Warren Buffett effect is over in Oxy. I mean, mm -hmm. we had, you know, every time it was coming down there, Buffett bought and pop. So that kind of turns you off when he doesn't have any impact on it at all. Now, now he gets announced, he buys more, and the stock doesn't even move. 
So the Warren Buffett effect and the Warren Buffett put is gone now, which is somewhat concerning. Stock has come up here. I'm, I'm kind of indifferent to it at this point in time. It's almost one that maybe a move on. It's been a good trade for us. We bought it at 58 multiple times and made money multiple times from a day trading, from a swing trading, from an investing standpoint. I had all three hats on this, buying this thing, all three hats on all three time frames. It's been really good. That 58 level was really good multiple times. I think it's kind of almost time to maybe move on from this one. Although if you can move into a value market, this could go to 65 or 66. Yeah, that's why I, I I went after Valero. That's actually looking a lot better here. And I, I'm going to be looking for this to surprise some traders here. So I think that a lot of people started betting to the downside with me probably on that XLE. And then this all this bottoming action, man, we could not get through this levels. Same thing for XOM. And that showed me more and more that, hey, if you can come down to those levels multiple times and you can't get through it, support, support, but... Eventually, it starts acting as support, and then it starts making its way back. I'm looking for XOM to drive higher. I was trying; I was day trading it yesterday. I don't have it right now, but we'll see if these can go a little bit more. XOM already driving here in the pre-market at 9 a.m. All right, that's it. Uh, we'll wrap it up here. We'll do the last stock here. I did, did see uh, someone mentioned an interesting one. Shop. Shop is one that uh, I know Dennis and I will always be kicking ourselves. About oh, forty dollars we have. <laughs> forty dollars, uh, yeah, Dennis. Uh, I think we'll always we always talked about talked it and about talked it. about it and talked about it and never executed. And I'm really mad at myself for this one. Um, back at sixty, there's good support. Remember, this is one of the biggest tech companies in Canada, so you know Canadian investors give it some love there too. Um, reasoning is like you have a tech fund in Canada, it's going to have some Shopify in it because there's not a lot of other options of technology companies in Canada. So I like it at 60. I think if you pull back here, I think it's overdone. I think the run's been too much. Give it pull back to 60. It gets interesting. Valuation's always been stretched in this. All right. We'll see what happens there in Shopify, but that's going to wrap it up for right here for the week on pre-market prep. Like always, you guys can stay tuned to catch more from us right here on Benzinga and definitely get your earnings calendar ready for next week because it's going to be a big one next week. I, I, I don't know if you've taken a, a little bit of a peek, Dennis, but we already got the calendar ready. Look at that calendar next week. Oh my God. Huge. You're in the thick of it. So leave it up there for a minute. We'll just talk about it. Obviously, the highlights Tuesday, Microsoft and Google. Wednesday, Meta. It's going to be Meta. And then Thursday, Amazon, Intel again. And then you get the MasterCard and Ford's going to report as well. And Friday's ExxonMobil. But I mean, this is the thick of earnings season. These are some big, big names reporting. Yeah, and, and it's not going to make it uh, any better when uh, we start getting the FOMC also, right? <laughs> it's going to be a big week, man. And I think with option expirations coming into play today, that could be something of a of a turning. I don't know, man. It's going to be an interesting market for sure. Oh, remember next- you sometimes run up in the earnings reports here too. So there are some catalysts going forward here too. So I think if you get the rebalance dump, I would not be surprised if you get a bounce back early next week in some of these names here too. I don't think it's completely over. Even though I think the Microsoft you know, highs might be in here, it still could be some chop here as you're going to get a battle between the bulls and the bears here. So yeah. obviously once we get that earnings report, that's going to be the tell. I mean, if they can't get over the bar, remember the bar is higher for these things. Netflix earnings were not that bad. Tesla earnings were not that bad. The bars were simply too high. And that's why those stocks got the beats yesterday. So you still have that same high bar for Microsoft, high bar for Meta, especially for Meta, 
high bar for even Amazon at this point, but Meta's bar has got to be just through the roof, you know, threads and all the stuff and the hype and the run that it has had. I mean, that's a high bar. Super high bar. Any negative in that report and I think Can't. we could see if, a little If bit. any of these companies, so last earnings season, they were accepting of earnings warnings because we're like, well, we knew it was going to be a struggle. They will not be accepting of earnings warnings this earnings season. You are not going to get a pass. If they come out and warn, like, I mean, banks, some other industries, sure, whatever, you know, but if Microsoft was to come out and like not beat guidance and not raise guidance, like come out and like slightly lower guidance, they'll kill it, man. So you just got to be careful. There is no free pass this quarter. There is a big difference than last quarter. Like always, you guys can keep up with Dennis Dick, Triple D Trader. Give him a follow. If you're not already following him, I don't know what you're waiting for. Definitely check him out on Twitter. Dennis, have a great one, my friend. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the family. Hope you have a Thank good you. time. All right. That's going to be it for us today on Pre-Market Prep. You guys smash the like button now to get you over to live trading as we continue, of course, the trading day. And let's see what we can get into today as Lord Ryan, myself, and of course, we'll probably have Nick Brown covering some great news stories. Come over to live trading. If you haven't checked it out before, come take a look. We're pretty good. We'll see what we can come up with today.